as Paul said, we're carrying on this series. And this part of this series, we're looking at mission this morning. And the dictionary definition of mission is this. An important assignment given to a person or group of people typically involving travel abroad. And it's a term that can be used in the military. It's a term that can be used as a missionary, as somebody that would go to another country to tell the people there about their faith and their belief. Um, and it's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek kind of phrase as well, isn't it? Oh, she's on a mission again. And I think that's one Paul would say about me when I get onto the cleaning and sorting out of things. Um, I like to get rid of stuff. So if you're a hoarder, you don't want to be inviting me round because I like to throw things away and recycle and send them to the charity shop. And you may have your own things that you find that you are on a mission about. You may find that you are on a mission about, another one that I get on a mission about actually is going to vote. You may find that you want to be on a mission about when the next sale is on. You may be on a mission about many, many different things that you are passionate about or that you've got a heart about. But when that goes on or when you hear about it, you are just up and out and ready to go and on your mission about it. And you know, this morning I want to encourage you that each and every one of us has a mission to our family. We have a mission in our workplace. We have a mission... Wherever we find ourselves, that could be for some of us going abroad. Or maybe it's supporting those who have gone abroad and standing with those people. And you know, if you have something that you are passionate about and you feel that you are on a mission about it, it is so important to have people around you who will stand with you, who will believe with you and be with you. A.W. Tozer says this. It is not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. It is why he does it. So this morning, whether your mission field in sharing who Jesus is, is in your family, whether your mission field is in your workplace, whether your mission field is your street, whether you feel that there is a calling deep within you at some point in your life to maybe go abroad for long-term or short-term mission, it doesn't make any difference what that is. If God is calling you, and he is, to that place, to your family, to your street, to your workplace, then what you do, God is with you. And it is no longer a secular thing, but it is sacred in what God is calling you to do and be in those places. So this morning, yes, we're talking about being sent on a mission, but I want to encourage you to consider that the mission that you are sent on is where you go tomorrow. The mission that you are sent on is where you go back to after you've been at church this morning. That is your mission field right now, right this very moment. And God is calling you to that place. Let's read in Acts 13 verses 1 to 4. It says, 
In the church of Antioch, there were some prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called the Black, Lucius from Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up in, with Herod the governor, and Saul. While they were serving the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to do the work to which I have called them. They fasted and prayed, placed their hands on them and sent them off. Having been sent by the Holy Spirit, Barnabas and Saul went to Seleucia and sailed from there to the island of Cyprus. So we read in this part of Acts about when Barnabas and Saul were set apart and they were sent off from where they were onto a specific mission. But I believe that the things that we can learn and discover as we look at this scripture and as we consider what God wants to say to us this morning about mission can be just as much about where you go tomorrow, can be just as much about where you go home to after here as it is about if you were sent out overseas or to somewhere else. So I want to challenge you this morning. God is calling you to the mission field where you are right now. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is how do we see our purpose then? Do we see our purpose in life as being that of being able to go and share the good news that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead and is seated in heaven and that there is a way back to God and that your sins can be forgiven and that there is the gift of eternal life. It is the greatest news on the planet. What is our driving force? Is that our driving force? Is that good news of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done in your life and mine, is that the driving force of everything that we do, everything that we share, how we are, how we behave, and what we speak out to those around us? Consider what your mission is this morning as you look to go out into your week this week. And consider that it is your mission field. And your mission field doesn't come when God suddenly calls you somewhere. But your mission field is right here and right now in the life that you are living and in everything that you do and in everything that you are. And my prayer this morning is that the Holy Spirit will open our eyes to the mission that we have My prayer for myself and for each one and every one of you, that we would listen to his calling, that we would listen to when he guides us to speak to people in the big, but also in the small things that we do. You know, and when we've got some good news, I don't know about you, but I see so often on social media, people will put on, oh, there's a sale at this place. Or people have put, there's like loads of life hacks on social media at the minute that I seem to see. When you've got some good news, people who have good news, maybe they've got engaged, maybe, maybe they're pregnant, whatever it may be. Maybe they've been married for so many years. Maybe they're going on holiday. They've got some good news. They want to share it all over social media. They want to go into their workplace and say to everyone, Oh, you won't believe where I'm going. You won't believe I've won this competition. I'm going somewhere wonderful on holiday. I'm getting married. Next, I've got a bigger sale on than they've ever got on. I don't know why I'm obsessed with next this morning. I'm wearing a next t-shirt, maybe top, maybe that's why. But whatever it is, we're so keen to share. 
that good news. We're so keen to say when things are being sold off somewhere or if we're going somewhere wonderful or something good has happened to us. But are we as keen to share the good news that we know that there is an eternal life waiting for us, that there is a God who can heal you, who can set you free, who can cleanse you from all of your sin? How keen are we? When Jesus, in the last things he said, called us to the Great Commission, how keen are we to share that good news with those around us? Or do we just mill about our daily lives, washing the dishes and going to work and driving the car and having a little bit of road rage at the person who just cut us up and doing these different things, but not sharing the good news that Jesus has brought to our lives, that we've been entrusted and given to share with those around us. How good is the good news in your life? Because if it's not the best news you've ever heard, then you will not be so keen to go and tell everyone. And when you're embarrassed or shy or not sure about sharing it, if you know it is the best news on the planet, then all of those things will be washed away. And you will want to shout it from the rooftops. Carl F.H. Henry says this, The gospel is only good news if it gets there. In time, there are people in your life, in your workplace, in your community, whatever that looks like, who are waiting for that good news. And it's only good news for them if it gets to them in time to take them from a lost eternity to an eternity spent with Jesus Christ our Lord. So I've got three things that I want to share with you this morning. The first two very quickly, hopefully, so I can get the last one in. But the first thing that I believe we can take from this part of Acts is this. Be positioned for mission. I believe that there is a shared call upon each and every one of our lives. It's called the Great Commission. And that we're to go and share the good news. But there's also a specific call that can come upon people's lives that's for special works of service. Like we saw with Barnabas and Saul, they were set apart from the others and they were sent out into different places, into a place that wasn't their usual community. Whichever category you fall into, it makes no difference. There is still the call upon your life to be a missionary where you are to those around you. Eugene Peterson, the man who wrote the message version of the Bible, says this. We must be in one of the two groups if we are to be part of Christ's church. Either the ones who are willing to be set apart and sent like Barnabas and Saul or the groups who after serious prayer will lay hands on them and send them off. Both are just as important. Both have equal measure in what God is calling us to do. But both need to be fulfilled. So regardless of which of those we fall into, whether we are set apart and sent out or whether we remain in the day-to-day of what we do now and share the good news where we are, I believe there are some key components that we can find so that we can be positioned for mission where we are. 
or where we are sent to. And these are those things. The first one is this, church. Now when this call came, when the Holy Spirit spoke to them, they may not have been in a church building and they probably weren't because it wasn't set up as it's set up today in the Old Testament. They met in homes, they met in the temple, but they were together and being together, that is church. They were connected together. So to be positioned for mission, it's so key and important to be part of a church. Because from that place, that's where the call came. That is where they were. They were together. So in this place of togetherness, that is where the call came. The second one, which I nearly said just, is unity. In unity with one another and with those in leadership. They were submissive to one another. The Holy Spirit came and spoke and they prayed some more. They taught together. They were in unity and one mind and one heart in sending Saul and Barnabas out. Unity is so key because unless we are together, then we're all over the place. And there is so much strength in unity. So you'd be positioned for mission by being in church, by being in unity with those in leadership and those around you. The third thing to help you be positioned for mission is to allow prophecy and teaching to be part of what goes on. It says at the beginning of that scripture that there were some prophets and teachers. Prophets bring that word of God for the now. Teachers bring some grounding to everything that's going on. And you need a bit of both. Otherwise, you have people who are really strict and just doing one thing. And it's just, we have to do it like this. Otherwise, it is wrong. Or you have some real crazy people. Paul is a crazy person. I am the other. We meet somewhere in the middle. It is interesting. But it's important to have God's voice speaking in and declaring what is going on. And it's important to have the grounding and bringing that in line with God's word and what he says. But these two last points, I think, are completely and utterly key. They were already serving. They were already serving. Let me find it for you. I should have underlined it. Is it up there? No, it's not. But it says in the scripture that they were already, they were putting their hands to God's work. They were serving already in God's house. They were serving in what they were doing in that here and in that now when the, when the, pre, when the Holy Spirit came and spoke to them. And they were fasting. It says, sorry, verse 2, while they were serving the Lord and fasting, they were already serving. They weren't just saying, well, I'll just wait here until God calls me to what he wants me to do. No, they were already serving and just doing what needed to be done. If you're waiting for the call of God on your life, for God to say, you, I call you to this, you, I call you to this, that's great. Keep waiting. Keep believing. Keep praying. But in the meantime, yeah, 
While they were serving the Lord and fasting, serve the Lord where you are. Because it's in a place where you serve and where you seek, which the fasting was, that the voice of God will come to you and show you what he wants you to do. Otherwise, you are sitting there looking extremely pretty, I'm sure. But actually, there is stuff that you can do to help and serve in God's house in God's church. To be positioned for mission, serve and seek hand in hand. I think God wants to position you for mission. Whether it's where you are now or whether it's a calling for the future. Regardless of which, connect yourself to church. Be in unity with those around you and your leaders. Listen to the prophetic and the taught word of God. And serve and seek God through prayer and fasting. The second point I want to make this morning is to be in partnership for mission. And there's two things I've connected to this. And I'm sure there are many more that we could have looked at this morning. But the first one is being in partnership with the Holy Spirit. C.T. Studd wrote this quite controversial quote, but I'm going to read it anyway. How little chance the Holy Ghost has nowadays. The churches and missionary societies have so bound him in red tape that they practically ask him to sit in a corner while they do the work themselves. Jesus said when he was ascending back into heaven, I will send you a helper. If we don't allow the helper to help and we do everything on our own strength, then we wonder why we're worn out, then we wonder why the things that we do don't work, then we wonder why there is no fruit to our ministry. The Holy Spirit is there to help us, to guide us, to support us, to comfort us, as we look to share the good news of who Jesus Christ is, and the power that is in his name. C.T. Studd was a bit of a rational person. No, what's the word I'm after? Radical person. I have a man flu thing going on. He was a radical man. But I think he'd hit the nail right on the head. And I want to encourage you this morning. Allow the Holy Spirit to come in and speak to you and guide you. And we see as we look through Acts that the Holy Spirit was the mission coordinator of everything that, he, that went on. He called people out onto mission fields and into places. People were filled with the Holy Spirit. He stopped them going to places that he didn't want them to go. And he sent them sometimes to places that they and other people didn't want them to go. But he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly where people needed to be so the gospel would be furthered for Jesus' kingdom. And he sees things that we don't even see, that we don't even understand above and beyond our own understanding. So can I encourage you, in your mission field this week, be in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Allow him to be your missions coordinator as you look to share the good news with those around you. Allow him to speak into your life on a daily basis. The next thing that I believe we should be in partnership with is we should be in partnership with people. 
When we stand alone and do things by ourselves, we put ourselves in a very dangerous position. We need others to stand with us in prayer, in agreement, and in confirmation of what we believe God is calling us to do. And it says, when the Holy Spirit came and spoke to them, it said after he'd spoken to them, in verse 3 it says, they fasted and prayed, placed their hands on them and sent them off. So they fasted some more. I mean, that's one verse, but it could have been days worth. It's one verse, but who knows how that one verse outworked itself. It said they fasted. They were already fasting, so they fasted some more just to make sure that was right. They, God, is this what you're saying? They prayed some more. They placed their hands on them, and they sent them off. They didn't get the word from the Holy Spirit and Barnabas and Saul went, oh, that's us then, and off they went. They stood together, they remained in the church, they remained in unity, they remained in serving and fasting, and through that next process, then they went out and were sent by the church. Be in partnership with church and with people, because if you're not, then you're alone. And God calls us into unity and togetherness. Earlier this year, myself and my two girls, they're, they're nine and 11. They would have been a, both a year younger, actually, when we did it in, was it May or June? We did the Race for Life at Trentham Gardens. It was 5K run, if you like. And um, you had to run around Trentham Lake, and it was raising money for cancer research. And... We got there, the girls were so super excited. My mum and dad had come to watch because my mum's recently been battling cancer and that was why we'd done it. And we got down there and I was like, winner, go and play on all the Trentham toys while we're here. So they went on all the exciting playground things, but all they wanted to do was get in there and get going. And we went through and then we decided if we go at the front, it'll be over quicker. But in being at the front, that's where the runners go. So we had this little pep talk. When it starts, we're in the runner's section. We must run. That's the teaching gift in me. You have to do as you're told. You have to do what the little group that you're in says you must do. Paul would have just done a little fairy dance and whatever he wanted. But in my head, you have to do what you have to do and what it says. So we ran. I'm not really very athletic in that way. Olivia is just full of energy. Grace, yeah. Well, we'd taken about 20 steps when she's began. Can we walk now? <laughs> At which point I said, no, we're in the runner's section. You must keep running. By this point, I was struggling to breathe myself. So we sort of kept going. And as we got round, and then there was people that we knew. So we ran a bit quicker. And then there was my dad with the camera and everything else. And so we ran really quickly and smiled. And I thought, okay, that's over now. We, let's just take a little walk. So Grace was just like crawling on the floor at this point. We, we hadn't got very far. We hadn't even started on the lake bit. We were just in, in the Italian gardens. Olivia was like, come on, come on, can we run, can we run? Can we run? Can we? And I was like, well, come on, let's just walk for a bit. Grace's got a stitch. I had multiple stitches, which I didn't share with either of them. 
So we sort of walked around this little bit. And I said, when we get to the top of the lake, we will run again, Olivia. So she, she was okay with that, but the energy was going. And as we came back around, as we were coming to the lake, my dad, bless his heart, had actually moved from where he was rather quickly so that he could get some more photographs and videos. At which point I said, let's run again, girls. So we ran again. And then, as we passed him, Grace said, go and walk again now. The battle between Olivia, desperate to go, and Grace crawling around the lake, and me trying to be the person in the middle who wasn't dying themselves, was quite an epic journey. But why I'm telling you this is because we needed each other. I needed Olivia with all her energy to push me to keep going because otherwise Grace would have worn me down and we'd have just walked all the way because I'd had enough as well. But Olivia just wanted to run. At the end, we played this game. You run to that post and run back and we'll just jog. And back then, right, run to the next post and then run back. I think Olivia must have ran round twice by the end of this. She should have got like a double medal. But we needed one another. You need each other. You need the person next to you. You need the person in front of you. Hebrews 12 verse 1 talks about being surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses so that we can run with perseverance. The race set before us, the race set before you is one, your personal life and your personal walk with God. But it is also the mission that he has called you to and those that he has called you to go and share the good news with. So when you feel your flagging, find yourself your own personal Olivia who will pull you on and keep you going. And when those around you are flagging, make sure you've got Olivia so you can pull them and drag them all the way around after you. We need one another. We need to champion and love and encourage one another. The third thing I want to talk to you, and I think is the most important thing, is a heart for mission. There's a quote by a guy called Eddie Howe, and it says this, God was the first ever missionary when in Genesis 3.8, he went out in search of two sinners who had rebelled against him in order to bring them back into fellowship with him. Those two sinners were Adam and Eve. And God went and walked in the garden and said, where are you? And he calls us still. He calls you and I. I was lost and God found me in despair, in low self-esteem and in a place of utter brokenness. And he restored and healed me and set me free. But I've been lost since. I've been lost since on my journey with God. I've been lost in grief at times. I've been lost in fear at times. And I'm sure I will find myself lost in the future. But I know that there is a God who walks in the quiet of the gardens of your, my life and your life. And he calls you still. And if we can grasp 
the heart of this God who comes and walks with us and calls to us, then we will fully understand the gravity and the heart that he has for those who still find themselves walking and lost in their lives and away from him. And he calls us to help him to go and call those who are lost. In Luke 15, and I'm going to read all of it so you're going to have to bear with me. In Luke 15, Jesus tells the story of three things that are lost. This one. One day, when many tax collectors and other outcasts came to listen to Jesus... So it was the tax collectors and the outcasts who came to listen. It was those who were lost and those who were far off who came to listen. Who are you spending your time with? Are you spending your time with those you are comfortable with and who do you good and who you think, oh, I like these people, they're cool and they're trendy? Or are you spending your time with those who others despair? Are you spending your time with the person at work that no one wants to sit with because they're a bit peculiar? Are you spending your time with the person at university who sits at the back of the class and doesn't speak to anyone and really needs to go and use the laundrette? Who are you spending your time with? Who are you speaking into? Jesus, the Son of God, was spending his time with tax collectors and other outcasts. It says they came to listen to Jesus. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law started grumbling. This man welcomes outcasts and even eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. And I believe these three parables are the heart of God. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. What do you do? You leave the other 99 sheep in the pasture and go looking for the one that got lost until you found it. When you find it, you're so happy that you put it on your shoulder and carry it back home. Then you call your friends and neighbours together and say to them, I'm so happy, I found my lost sheep, let us celebrate. In the same way, I tell you, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 respectable people who do not need to repent. This morning, the whole of heaven is waiting to celebrate you if you choose to no longer be lost, but let Jesus find you. The second parable is the lost coin. Or suppose a woman who has 10 silver coins loses one of them. What does she do? She lights a lamp, sweeps her house and looks carefully everywhere until she finds it. When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says to them, I am so happy. I found the coin I lost. Let us celebrate. In the same way, I tell you, the angels of God rejoice over one sinner who repents. So if you didn't get it the first time with the sheep, or if sheep aren't your thing, then get it the second time, that if you are lost and far from God, or you know people who are lost and far from God, the whole of heaven wants to rejoice over them coming back home to a God who loves them and sent his son to die for them. The third parable is the lost son. It says, Jesus went on to say, There was once a man who had two sons. The younger one said to him, Father, give me my share of the property now. 
So the man divided his property between his two sons. After a few days, the younger son sold his part of the property and left home with the money. He went to a country far away where he wasted his money in reckless living. He spent everything he had. Then a severe famine spread across the country and he was left without a thing. He went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him out to his farm to take care of the pigs. He wished he could fill himself with the bean pods the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything to eat. At last he came to his senses. Do you need to come to your senses this morning? Because there's a God who wants to call you either into his kingdom for the first time or who wants to call you from the place where you are lost into a place where you can be found again. At last he came to his senses and said, all my father's hired workers have more than they can eat and here I am about to starve. I will get up and go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against God and against you. I am no longer fit to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired workers. So he got up and started back to his father. He was still a long way from home when his father saw him. His heart was filled with pity and he ran, threw his arms around his son and kissed him. Father, the son said, I have sinned against God and against you. I am no longer fit to be called your son but the father called his servants hurry he said bring the best robe and put it on him put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet then go and get the prized calf and kill it and let us celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now he is alive he was lost but now he is found and so the feasting began in the meantime the elder son was out in the field on his way back, when he came close to the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, what's going on? Your brother has come back, the servant answered, and your father has killed the prize calf because he got him back safe and sound. The elder brother was so angry that he would not go into the house. So his father came out and begged him to come in. But he answered his father, Luke, all these years I have worked for you like a slave and I have never disobeyed your orders. What have you given me? Not even a goat for me, and my, for me to have a feast with my friends. But this son of yours wasted all your property on prostitutes and then he came back home. You killed the prized calf for him. My son, the father answered, you are always here with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be happy. Because your brother was dead, but now he is alive. He was lost, but now he has been found. God is calling the lost from those first lost in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he called to Adam and Eve, and he calls the lost still, and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, so the lost, the way could be made for them back to the Father in heaven. Very quickly, let's just look at a few things that we can learn from this passage in Luke. And I believe these things tell us about the heart of God for the lost. The first one is this, that you are owned and you are valued. The lost in each of those stories were owned and they were valued. The sheep, the coin, and the son were all owned and they were all valued. This morning, you are owned and you are valued. The second is this, 
you were searched for. Each of those lost items in those parables were searched for. The coin was searched for. The sheep was searched for. The son was watched for and hoped for that he would return. Just because you are lost doesn't mean nobody cares. The third thing is this. Others don't diminish your value. The shepherd had 99 others, but it didn't diminish the value of the one. The woman had nine other coins, but it didn't diminish the value of the one as she sought for it. The father had another son, but it didn't diminish the value. Your value is not diminished because of the person sitting next to you is doing much better with God than you are. Your value is not diminished because loads of new people come in who get saved. You are just as important and key to God. God wants you to rejoice and celebrate with him as the lost come back home. Remember that you are valued. The fourth one is this. You can be found. Each of those things in the parables were found. The sheep was found. The coin was found. The son was found again and accepted in. And it's a quite different story. And you think, well, it doesn't really fit with the other two. It fits because he chose to come back. He chose to say, I've got it wrong. I've messed up. I've pretended to do all the right things, but he's just gone such a mess. He was found again and accepted back in. There is acceptance in God for you. No matter where you've been and what you've done and what you've thrown away, God wants to accept you again and find you again and for you to be found and restored and healed in Him. The fifth one is this. Celebration awaits And the best part about it is in each of those parables, the person who found it didn't celebrate alone. But they called their friends, they called their family, they said, come on, I've been found. I've spitting everywhere. Oh, I've found the pit, they've found the one, they've come back. And they celebrated and they called them in. And God wants us to celebrate over lives that are restored. God wants us to celebrate when you come back home. God wants us to celebrate when you are found in Him again from a place of brokenness where you thought you'd never be restored. God calls us to celebrate. Because there is restoration, there is hope, there is healing, there is a place for you. You are valued, you are wanted and it doesn't matter where you've been, whether you've been dining with pigs, it makes no difference. There is a father with open arms who wants to call you home. There is a father with open arms who wants you to join him on the mission field and help him call the lost back home. There is a father who wants to restore back to you all that is lost and all that has been taken. If the band would like to come and join me. Sometimes we don't realise that we've been lost. 
sometimes we don't realise where we find ourselves. Many of you are probably aware I've had difficulties with my hearing over this last couple of years and earlier on this year they told me that I needed to have a hearing aid and so I went and had that fitted and, and sorted and Paul came with me and they fitted it too and on the way home I, I was a bit, I was quite shocked because there were certain things I knew I couldn't hear and they were, they were generally men with deep voices which worked quite well to be fair. Once the hearing aid was fitted, I remember saying to Paul on the way home, I can hear the tyres touching the road. Who knew that that sound existed? Because I'd completely forgotten that it did because I hadn't heard it for so long. And there were so many sounds that I'd forgotten that, that were there. I didn't realise that I had lost them. This morning, you may not realise where you are. You may not realise what you have lost. All I can say to you is come back home and allow God to restore back to you, just like the hearing aid did for me. Allow God to restore back to you the things that have been lost, the things that have been taken and the things that life has taken from you. Whether it's the first time for you or whether you're returning, God is calling you still. And he is calling you to help him on that mission field to call people home. Let's stand and pray. Father God, I thank you that you call us to join you on that mission field. Father God, I thank you that you call us when we are lost to come back home. I thank you that you call us to be found again. And God, this morning I pray for all those who are lost in this room, that they would know the joy of coming back to you. Father God, I pray for everybody who has stepped away from you, that they would come back to a place of being found in you today. And God, this morning, as we consider going out upon the mission field this week, even this very day as we go home, God, I pray that Holy Spirit, you would be our missions coordinator in everything that we do.